Matthew chapter 2. I cannot tell you the privilege and honor it has been to be here 10 years. Um, I'm just curious. I know uh, Brother Jesse asked a question a little while ago. Uh, how many of you have come in the last 10 years? But I'm just curious. I'd like to reverse that question. If you were here 10 years ago when we started, and you've been here during that time, will you please stand? I just wanted to highlight the fact that we have such a good God. And when we came 10 years ago, and this group, and many others, some of them were watching online this morning, we never would have known what the Lord could do had we not said yes. And so thank you, church, for being here 10 years. And thank you for taking a chance on somebody that you didn't even know, maybe didn't even like. <laughs> but thank you for voting yes. So thank you guys. And uh, you can be seated. I just, all the memories, you know, and David, you just can't, can't encompass all of them. And uh, I appreciate uh, one of my favorite singers in the entire world being here this morning to sing. And uh, Miss Brandy singing. And uh, she was on American Idol, y'all. And she sang this morning. Yeah. Yes. And the awesome thing is she loves Jesus. And it's just, I love hearing Miss Brandy sing and uh, Brother Michael coming with her. And uh, Brother Michael, just all the memories. And uh, Brother Michael was on property the night we had our church fire at our previous church. And uh, didn't know him. And the Lord was starting then planting seeds. And now you're serving there with, at Hope in Stallings with Pastor David and uh, serving together. Man, it's just an honor. And David is my, my friend. I'm going to ugly cry in just a minute. I'm telling everybody now. Yeah. Just conversations that David and I have had. And uh, David, I'm proud of you. Just following the Lord. And uh, it's just an honor. Just an honor. That's, that's the thing. I appreciate Pastor Toole and Pastor Skelly and Dad. I can't promise the 10-foot 10, 10 ladder thing. I can't. Um, but uh, I promise I won't fall off of a 10-foot ladder on purpose, on purpose. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, just thinking back, and Pastor Tool alluded to it, when you stay somewhere a long time, you get to see so many of the joys and seeing people take their next steps again and again. And it's so rewarding. I look out and I see faces of people that the world looked at you and said, you're nothing. And yet Jesus sees a totally different picture. And that cannot be understated enough, highlighted enough. The fact this day is not about me. It's not about Michelle. It's not about our kids. It's about Jesus. And so thank you, church. Thank you for being willing to follow him. Wherever he leads us, you know, as one preacher said, wherever he leads, I'll follow, and whatever he feeds, I'll swallow. And so, thank you, church family. And if you're visiting today, this is not a normal Sunday. <laughs> uh, uh, the sweaters aside, this is not a normal Sunday. Uh, but thank you for being willing to come and uh, be a part of the day. Uh, just I think about all the times where we've 
laughed in this room and cried in this room and we've held hands and prayed for people and just seeing the collage of pictures and uh, just different services and people who have come and who are now serving somewhere else. You know, whether that's on our team or whether that is, you know, people who have passed by for a small period of time and we've got to invest in their lives. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, ministering to people and uh, using the manual that we have that he left us with, that he entrusted to us. And so it is an honor, an honor to be here and to have been here 10 years. And so I am so thankful, so thankful that the pink carpet is gone. I uh, cannot tell you how thankful, and I, and I know the best thing about the pink carpet was it was paid for. I, I understand, uh, but I am so thankful every time I come into this room, and then I see pictures, and it reminds me of what we had and what will never come back. So I'm very, very uh, thankful, and the Babers, I have one piece of pink carpet in my office. Uh, they shadow boxed me a piece of the pink carpet, Brother Neil. Uh, I will always have a love-hate relationship for Brother Neil because of that, because of that uh, one act. And uh, appreciate uh, just never, lest we forget, lest we forget. Uh, so, and if anyone else would like a pink piece of carpet, uh, you would have to go underneath this stage because uh, that's the only place that you can find pink carpet in this room. I promise, uh, the only place. So Matthew chapter 2 uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 2, and I appreciate you coming. Thank you for breakfast this morning. And uh, totally unexpected, uh, I asked the guys in the office this past week because we're very involved in the order of service uh, from week to week in the planning stage. And uh, I asked the guys multiple times, let me see the order of service. Let me see the order of service. Let me see it. And I asked Brother Jamie this morning, let me see it. Let me see it. And uh, nobody, nobody loves me enough to share uh, the, what's going on. So I just uh, appreciate you guys and love you so very, very much. And looking forward to what the Lord will do in the future uh, with us here, serving together, uh, striving together, Philippians 127, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I am so excited and thrilled and honored to be uh, your pastor, uh, your pastor. So uh, have you ever gone looking for something and you went back to where you put it last and it's no longer there? Where are my glasses? You know, and has your ever, ever your spouse said they're right there? You know, whether it's sunglasses or reading glasses, and they're right where you put them, right on your head. Uh, where's my Bible? And my thing is I'm walking around the house like this, like this, with Bible in hand, asking Michelle, have you seen my Bible? And... Uh, you know, she lovingly calls me a dummy and then says, it's right there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but you think about, have you ever looked for something and go to where you believe that it is and it's not there? Matthew chapter 2, we see a great story of just that. We started our series last week, our Christmas series entitled Behold Him. We looked at the word behold and it means to observe, to look and see. And over and over in the Christmas story, we're seeing we're told to behold, to observe, to peer into. and talked about the challenge last week of how this old story in our lives many times gets old. 
And we don't look at it with the same reverence, the same awe, the same wonder that they did in the moment. And we are tasked now with looking back and listening and reading through something that we know. Maybe many of you can quote the verses that we'll read today. Just talking about that Christmas story. And though it's old, it is the old story that should never get old. And so we look at Matthew chapter 2. These men traveled a great distance only to find he was not where they thought he would be. What would they do next? And maybe you're here this morning and you are looking for hope in a place. Uh, maybe you're thinking, you know, that my new home, that my new town, my new surroundings uh, will give me that hope that I'm looking for. Maybe you're looking for peace and you're trying to find peace in a relationship or that uh, new person that has come into your life. Uh, maybe you're trying to find rest in a relationship. Maybe you're trying to find comfort in an addiction this morning. Maybe you're trying to find happiness in your good health. But what happens when you don't find it? What happens when you can't have it the way that you think that you should have it? Matthew chapter 2, let's just read a few verses this morning for context. Remember last week we talked Matthew chapter 1 and talked about how that Joseph was told to go ahead and marry Mary to complete that betrothal process. And they did that. And chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there it is, behold, look and see, observe, observe what's happening next. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Are come to worship him. What do you do when you're looking for something in the wrong place? Uh, Let's pray this morning and then we'll dive right in. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the promises that are found in your word. Lord, please help us to see that hope is not found in a place today. Hope is found in a person today. And that person is Jesus. Uh, Lord, uh, what do we do when we're looking at all of the wrong places? Lord, how do we recenter? How do we get to where you ultimately want us to be? Help us to see that this morning. Lord, please bless the preaching of your word. Lord, please cleanse me any sin unconfessed. Uh, Lord, please uh, help me to see that this day is not about me. It's not about our family. Uh, Lord, it's not even about your church. This day is all about the exalting of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, it's lifting you up, for you alone are worthy. Uh, Lord, I ask that you please speak to hearts. And if there's someone that doesn't have that peace, that hope, that rest in you, I ask that you please draw them to yourself today. Plant that seed deep in their heart where they must uh, acknowledge you as Savior and Lord. We love you and thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down three things. Number one, I know what time it is. That's not the point. Uh, But I know what time it is, and uh, I know exactly how long I have to preach. So, okay, so uh, let me give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, the travelers we see, the travelers. Astronomers have confirmed that uh, two years before the birth of Jesus, something unusual happened in the sky. Uh, The German astronomer, noted astronomer, Johannes Kepler, noticed this in 1603 and 1604 and documented that when three planets align in a row, you can see visibly a different star that is not seen any other time 
it, 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 except in those times. The three planets are Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. When they align, it reveals this one particular star, and it only happens once every eight hundred years, which means, if you do the math, none of us will ever see that star, okay? Not going to happen in our lifetime. But he believed, this astronomer, uh, Kepler, believed that a similar star appeared for the wise men to follow that led them to Jerusalem. So this is something that is well documented, something that happened that night that drew their attention. And we see that, number one, their role that is mentioned in verse number one. It says, now when the birth of Jesus was on this wise, he was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Uh, these men were not uh, kings, as the song may imply. Uh, they were not uh, necessarily, there weren't three of them, as the song may say. Uh, we know that they were from a group called the Magi. They were magicians, astrologers, those who studied and uh, watched the stars. If they were from modern-day Persia, as we believe, they could have traveled up to a thousand miles following this star, observing this star, beholding this star, and it was leading them to a certain place. This is what they did for a living. This is something that they did every single day of their lives. They were good at studying the stars. But it was almost like this one particular star is drawing them. It is pulling them. It is compelling them to study and examine it. And maybe they, they were pagan Gentile men. They could have known the prophecy of Balaam from Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. Balaam was a, a, a pagan prophet. And he said, there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab. If they were called to study the stars and, and they couldn't explain its presence, then maybe there was something else going on. In our lives today, you and I cannot explain everything that happens to us. We cannot reasonably assume to know every detail of our lives that will transpire. We can't know what's going to happen. We can't know why it is going to happen. But that's why we're called to have faith in the one who does. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But even though you and I might not know what our tomorrow holds, we can know the one who holds all of our tomorrows. We can trust in someone who knows all things. And these men were simply doing what they had been taught to do all of their lives. Their role was to follow the stars. And their reasoning in verse number 2 was totally different than you and I would believe. Number 2, we see in verse 2, they show up at the palace in the days of Herod the king, and Herod was not the good guy in our story, and they tell him, where is he? Where is he? Hey, we have come all this way. We've traveled a thousand miles. Where is the one who we've come to worship? History tells us that Herod was a ruthless man. Herod had one of his wives executed two of his own brothers executed because he saw people as a threat to his throne imagine executing your wife 
got, for some people it might not be a stretch. Uh, but you know, you think about uh, for many of us, this guy's behavior. Uh, Herod was married nine different times because he was paranoid that anyone who got close to him could be a threat to him. But these men show up saying, "Hey, it's nice to meet you. We're looking for somebody else. We're looking for a different king." And we have seen his star. We are come to worship him. Where is he? That guy. But they were looking for Jesus for one specific reason. And that was to worship him. They were looking for him to worship. So what is it today? When you think about coming, your reasoning. What is your reasoning for coming to church even this morning? What's your reasoning for being here? Are you looking for something that you haven't found? Are you looking for hope or mercy or forgiveness or redemption or comfort or peace or joy or love or acceptance? Would it be awesome if we could come to one place, one person and find all of those things? And we can. And his name is Jesus. That's why we get a little riled up when we sing what a beautiful name it is. That's why we get a little excited and a little emotional when we talk about the goodness of God or crown Him with many crowns. That's why we get excited when people talk about the name Jesus because all of those things that we're looking for, we find in Him. Hope is not in a place. Hope is in a person. We find mercy and joy and peace and comfort all in a person. Not in our situation. Not in our circumstances. Which makes it even bigger when we realize what the Bible calls us. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, we have a need that we can't fix on our own. We have a problem that cannot be addressed of our own. Our sin, the wrong that we've done in our lives, all of our flaws and failures, they have pushed us away from God. Our decisions draw us away from God. Don't push us closer. If you said, Pastor, I'm going to do all of these good things so that I can get close to God. All of the good that you can do is rags in the sight of God. The book of Isaiah tells us that. All of my righteousness is his filthy rags. So the best that you and I can do stinks in God's nostrils. Enter Jesus. See, the best that you and I can do is nothing. But the best that he can do is everything. He is the answer. When I come to him and acknowledge all of my flaws and failures and imperfections, and I admit what the Bible says I am, that I am a sinner, and I place my faith and hope and trust in him to be the answer for my sin, he becomes the answer for my need. That's who he is. He gives me a Christmas gift. He gives me the gift of himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus ye who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh or close or drawn in by the blood of Christ. The very next verse says, For he is our peace. He is the one who's the answer. In a world that longs for peace, they're looking for it in all the wrong places. It's not in a place, it's in a person. And that person is Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have peace in your life. You have struggles, you have trials, you feel like you're all alone. Can I remind you that someone is there waiting for you? He's drawing you today. 
He's longing to have a relationship with you, but he is not someone who's going to barge into your life. He is standing, waiting, expecting you to open that heart store, waiting for you. We see the travelers, these men coming for one specific purpose to worship, but then number two, we see the tracking that takes place. The news of a new king created a few ripples. We see the problem in verse number three and four. It says, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. You think? Uh, this new king? Uh, what do you mean a new king? You came to worship him. Uh, what are you talking about? But it wasn't just him. It says he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. At least these people knew what they were getting from Herod. They had no idea what a new king would do. How Rome would respond uh, in a wave of hatred. They couldn't afford to roll the dice and lose their status quo or even get their hopes up. And maybe the reason that we doubt is we wonder if it's too good to be true. Hey, I, I, Pastor, all that stuff sounds good. Can I really have peace? Can I really have hope? Uh, you don't know my situation. And I would come back and say, but you don't know our Savior. Because He is all of those things. J.I. Packer said the Christian message is that there is hope for a room in humanity. Hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into the lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is the answer to the problem. These people had no idea what was happening. But then number two, we see the place. Verse 5 and 6 and he, they said unto him, Herod finds out, hey, this, something's going on. And these men are asking for a king. Where is this king? Where will he be born? Verse 5, they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall it come forth unto thee that's be ruler of Israel. The prophet Micah foretold where he would be born, confirms his location and the position. Herod has a problem. Herod is in a pickle. It's a threat. See, Bethlehem is a simple place, not a significant place. Bethlehem was a, not, not palaces. They had peasants. This is no place for a king to be born. But it was a perfect place for a lamb to be born. The lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Why would Jesus be born in such a humble place? Why would Jesus refuse to be born in Jerusalem in a palace, yet conform himself to a lowly stable? That place where the animals would eat was the birthplace of Jesus. He came like us so that he could enable us to become like him. John chapter 1 tells us, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Hey, when he, when he died for us, when we come to him and we receive him as our personal savior. When we open that heart's door, he becomes our savior. The problem, the place, but then number three, we see the privacy. Look at verse seven and eight. Then Herod, when he had privately called, silently Quietly called the wise men. He inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Herod could not afford for this news to 
trickle out. So he secretly calls the wise men. He says, hey, when did this take place? About how long ago? Anyone who knew Herod personally knew that he had no intention of ever worshiping Jesus. But they didn't know that. It's a great reminder for us that there will be some people in our lives who may pledge their allegiance to Jesus with their mouth, but have no intention of ever bowing the knee to Jesus. And that's where Herod was. Oh, I can praise him, I can talk about who he is, but I have no intention ever of bowing to him. Can I just say publicly and very boldly, at some point in your life, in your existence, you are going to bow to him. You can either do it here willfully or you will one day be made to bow before him. But at that point, it's too late. If you wait until that moment, it is too late for you. You can choose when you're going to bow, but I assure you, you are going to bow to him. Matthew chapter 15 verse 8, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's ironic to me that God is more concerned with the condition of our heart than he is the commendation of our lips. He would rather know that your heart is submissive to him rather than hearing it from your mouth. Just lip service. We see the travelers. They were looking. We see the tracking. They found him. They thought they were coming to the right place. And Herod gets on the war path to try and find exactly where. And then lastly this morning we see the treasure that is found. Verse 9 through 12, all Herod had to do was wait. Hey, you guys go to Bethlehem and find him and send me word. Let me know where he is so I can come and I can worship him. Let me know so that I can come. Bethlehem is just four to six mile journey from Jerusalem. Not a far journey. It wouldn't be long. Herod just has to sit back and wait for the inevitable to happen. But then we see in verse 9 and 10 the star. That's mentioned. The star. It says, When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It almost appears that the star disappeared. It did not appear for a little while. It was invisible to them or not revealed to them. But when they saw the star, when they started their journey, they rejoiced. It produced excitement for them. Now they're on the hunt again. They're on a journey and now they found traveled hundreds of miles. They've not found what they were looking for. They were in the dark seemingly not knowing where to go next. And then they saw the star and they rejoiced. Kind of like when Jesus reveals himself to us for the very first time. He shows us our need and shows us that he is the answer for that need. And there should be something within us because we're created to be like him. There should be something inside us that screams out, that's what I need. Something within us that says, that's the answer. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been hoping for. That's what I want. There should be something inside us that draws us to him. With exceeding great joy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I think sometimes we get tangled up in believing that we have to know the end result and then we'll have faith. As long as I know what's happening or I'm going to get all this knowledge and understanding and that's when my faith will be developed. It doesn't work that way. 
See, you don't get understanding first. Understanding never comes before faith. Faith in God develops my understanding that I can trust him in the future. See, faith first, understanding after. We think sometimes, man, as long as I know what he's going to do, then I'll sign off. That's not faith. That's sight. That's seeing the contract in advance and reading all the fine print and then signing your name. Yet Jesus says, here's a blank page and a blank contract. Sign your name and then I'll fill in the rest later. That's where the faith comes in. It's kind of like a box of Legos. You knew it was coming, didn't you? Kind of like a box of Legos. I got this box of Legos for my 40th birthday. And uh, I know, I don't look that old. I I appreciate that. Uh, But I got this box of Legos for my 40th birthday from Brother J.C. Brother J.C., my friend. All right? You know, you think about a box of Legos. When you buy a box of Legos and you put the set together, you do so with faith that this set will become what the design is on the outside of the box. I'm not trusting when I open this box of Legos and I break the seal, I'm not trusting in my ability as a builder. Thanks, sir. John doesn't throw knives at me anymore. There's a story there. Sometimes I wonder if Brother John wants to cut me. Uh, But here you go. Thanks, sir. But when I open a box of Legos, it's very simple. I'm not trusting my ability to put this thing together. I'm not that good. But when you open a box of Legos, there's one of these. It's called an instruction manual. It's called the instructions. And the plan is that as long as I follow this, As long as I follow the manual and I trust that if I'll follow the design and the manual that I've been given, that my Lego set will become what the original designer intended. Y'all tracking with me? So when I follow the manual, no matter if it looks like a bag full of just random Seemingly worthless pieces, as long as I follow the manual. Now, there will be some stuff that I look and say, I don't need that. But I really do. I need almost every piece of these worthless pieces for it to become what the designer intended. And there are seasons of my life where I would look at and say, God, I don't like that part. I shouldn't have to use that part. I don't want that part. There are times in my life that are painful. There are times in my life where I feel like that piece doesn't fit. But the original designer has a plan and a purpose for every piece of my life. Even the pieces that I don't like. Even the pieces that hurt. 
even the pieces that I would say, if I was doing it, I wouldn't do it that way. And you know what? You don't have to. But if you don't do it the way the original design tells you, you won't get the final product. You won't ever see the outcome that the master designer intended. See, church, just because you can do it your way doesn't mean that you were designed to do it your way. And in our life today, yeah, sure, you can do your own thing. Well, pastor, I'm going to live my own life and I'm going to accept my own consequences. You can, but you're never going to get what the designer intended for your life to be. Never. Hey, my life has had a bunch of stopping points that I wasn't expecting and I wasn't planning and I didn't like. But you know what? It's his design, not mine. God doesn't say, well, what would you like to become one day? He has a design. He has a design for each one of us. And they don't have to match. And it's probably best that they don't match. But they all work together. They're supposed to work together. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. You think about our life. Hey, stop trying to understand God. To figure him out. Newsflash, you won't. You'll end up frustrated and discouraged, but you can trust Him. You can place your faith in Him and begin to understand what He desires for your life. Many of us, you say, Pastor, I want to know all the details in advance and then I'll trust Him. No, you don't. Because if you knew what God planned to do with your life, it'd scare you so bad you'd never do it. You need to develop that trust in Him, that He's worthy of your trust and your faith. Well, Pastor, I'll never teach Sunday school. Never, 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 ever, ever, never. I think I can say this. The very first time we had dinner with Joe and Jessica Fries. Some of you heard this story. I said, Joe, what would you like to do at the church? And he said, I love Brother Joe, and I still love Brother Joe. And he said, Pastor, I'll do anything. Just don't ask me to work with kids. (laughs) And I had this look on my face. And he said, but you're going to ask me to work with kids, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And you know, we would look at our life. And there are people sitting in this room that I will not call your name. But I know who I'm talking about. And you know who I'm talking about when I say, you would look at your life and say, I would never have imagined I'm doing what God has me doing right now. And that's why he doesn't tell us in advance. Because we would resist it. But when we trust him and his design, we say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing but I'll trust you. And God, I don't like this. 
I don't want to move my family. I don't want to start over somewhere else and have to meet new people and go somewhere where I don't even know where Starbucks is. I don't want to go and start over somewhere new. And he says, but do you trust me? That's when our faith becomes sight. Not because we always know what he's doing, but we understand that he can be trusted. And when we see his answer to prayer over and over and over again, and we see that he is dependable, and he is faithful, and he is a good God, he can continue to be trusted. We see not only the star, but lastly this morning we see the Savior. Verse 11 and 12, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Just a side note, you never see anywhere in Scripture where they worship her. But lots of places where they worship him. Worship him. They opened their treasures. They presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. They gave him three gifts, symbolic. Gold, the gift that only the royals could have. Only the royals could afford. And in Bethlehem, there were none. So Jesus is getting what no one else gets. Think about that. He's getting what no one else can have. Why? Because he's the only one that deserves it. Gold and frankincense. And incense used in worship at the temple. Why in the world would you bring smelly cologne to a little baby unless he was worthy of worship? Unless he was the one. Who would go into the Holy of Holies on our behalf and offer up himself. As the propitiation, big word, replacement for us. Why would a baby need that? Unless he was planning to use it. Myrrh, incense, you ladies with your witchcraft oils. (laughs) Say that lovingly, my wife uses them on me. Uh, But... It's amazing how that stuff was forbidden 30 years ago and now you feel a little sick and people start running at you with all this incense and oils. (laughs) Just try this, you'll feel better. (laughs) Myrrh is a spice used to embalm dead bodies. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts that you would never imagine to be given to a little baby in a humble place like Bethlehem. Unless that little baby was the son of God who deserved to be worshipped and who would die a death that only he could die. Can you imagine as he walked out of the tomb alive, victorious over death and hell, 
And that fragrance was in the air. That myrrh. I wonder if those disciples, Peter and John, when they entered into the tomb, could still smell of fragrance. And were reminded of the stories that they had heard. Of these wise men who came and brought three gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Max Licato said it best. No wonder they call him the Savior. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. But see it's not just enough to know that Jesus offered himself for you. You don't get salvation just by knowing. You get salvation by placing your faith in what you know. By trusting that Jesus did those things. That he desires to have a relationship with you. That he wants to save you. And if that is your story this morning. You're here and you don't know Jesus is your savior. You don't have hope and peace and joy and contentment. And all of those things. Forgiveness. He desires to be your savior today. Are you beholding him? Are you observing? Are you coming to the manger? Coming to that house like the wise men did? Seeing him for the very first time. And seeing the king of all creation as a little baby. Are you seeing him today like it's the very first time? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Have you seen him this morning? Are you beholding him today? Has there been a time in your life where you've placed your faith and trust, confidence in Jesus to be your Savior? And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, there's never been a time in your life, the Bible's very clear, it talks about the moment in our life where we trust Jesus as our Savior. There's not been a time in your life where you can point your finger back and say, man, that's when I received Christ. I would challenge you to check that. Today, is he your savior? Have you beheld him? Have you seen him? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I don't know that if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. I, I don't know that heaven is my home. I don't know that Jesus is my savior. I don't know there's been a moment in my life where I've ever trusted Christ as my personal savior. Maybe that's your story today. Maybe you would be simply honest enough with yourself and with me this morning you'd say hey pastor I don't know but I would at least like to know I'd, I'd at least ask you to pray for me uh, can I be your friend this morning I'm not going to embarrass you call you out point you out since somebody talked to you but I do want to pray for you today pastor uh, pray for me I, I don't know that I don't have that confidence you're talking about I don't know that I've ever seen him I don't know that I've ever beheld him like you're talking about today I don't know that I'm saved I don't know there's been a time in my life where I've trusted him as my personal Savior. I'd like to be your friend. Can I pray for you today? With no one looking around, would you simply slip up your hand and say, Hey, Pastor, you're talking to me. I don't know. Pray for me. Is that you? Can I pray for you today? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Is that you? I'm looking. I don't want to miss you. No one else is looking, but I'm looking. I want to pray for you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Somebody else say, Pastor, that's me. I haven't raised my hand yet, but I'm going to raise my hand right now and ask you to pray for me. Please pray for me. I'm not sure that if I died, I'm on my way to heaven. I just don't know. I don't have that confidence. Salvation is so simple. He made it that way because we're a simple people. 
It's simply knowing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, just like the Bible says. Knowing that Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for your sin. And when he died, he took your place. He was your replacement. But you don't get salvation by default. There's something you have to do, and that's simply trust him. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. It's already been paid. All the work has been done. But you have to trust him to receive it. It's just like getting a Christmas gift on Christmas morning. Somebody hands you a box. You don't ask them what, how much it costs and the price tag so you can repay them for it. You simply reach out and receive it. And that's what salvation is. It's been paid. All the work's been done. It's been wrapped up in a box and it's being extended to you today. You don't have to come forward. You can pray right there in your seat. It doesn't have to be the same words that I would pray. But it does have to be a prayer of faith from your heart directly to his. Say, Pastor, I, I wouldn't even know what to say. Maybe it would be something like, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and acknowledge that. And I know if I stay the way I am, I deserve to be separated from you from eternity because of my sin. But thank you for dying on the cross for me to take my place. Please forgive me my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you with whatever time that you give me from this point on. And trust him to do that. Now this morning, if you, you're here and you prayed something like that, maybe not the same words that I did, but you prayed this morning and said, hey, I, I just trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. I wanted him to save me, and I just prayed something like that for the very first time. Hey, could I rejoice with you? Not going to come and embarrass you, but I would like to know who I'm rejoicing with and pray for you, that you'll take those next steps as a new believer. Would you simply, with no one looking around, would you simply slide your hand up and say, Hey, Pastor, I just prayed a prayer similar to that. And I was serious. I wanted Jesus to save me. I was sincere. If you'd like to talk to somebody after the service, we have personal workers down front. You can come down while the team's getting ready to sing in just a moment. You can go in the back. There's folks in the back. They're wearing badges that say, How can I pray for you? We're here for you this morning. Want to help encourage you, challenge you as you take next steps for him. Maybe you need to take a step this morning, whether that's baptism or membership or discipleship or service, whatever that is. But we would love to be able to encourage you as you begin your journey with Jesus. Day by day, journey with him. Father, please bless our time this morning. Help us to see today your goodness in our lives. Thank you for being so good to us. Lord, I ask that you please bless the time of invitation or this time of reflection. When you give us knowledge, there is an expected response to that knowledge. Lord, help us to respond this morning as you're drawing. Please help us to do what you're challenging us to do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please. We're going to sing that song, Goodness of God. If you know it, you can sing along with us. The altar's already open. Folks are down front. Would love to pray with you, encourage you. I'll be right down front if you need to talk to someone today. Do what God wants you to do this morning as we sing.